Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk And if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. Alright, can we just get on with this now please? Filmbusters Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Film Busters. We're here today to talk about melancholia. Yes, it's the 101 time we've done this. It's actually 102 now because we just upload an exclusive patron preview. Does that count? Does that count? Episode, Is that well, in the future, are we going to be like, it's minus one? No, we're not, are we? We'll just delete so that it. Went we'll just delete out. it. We'll give it six months, then we'll just delete it. Just, just to be completely true to ourselves. What about all the weird feature ones we did? Are we included? Do they get included? They're all included, yeah. That's basically now our patron section. So we technically yeah, do much. it. but yeah. Bringing up our patrons straight away, two times. Yes. Let's get the patron plug out of the way, then. Should we get out of the way? Okay, you can go yeah. find well, us at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. Adam's got it right for once. He is correct. <laughs> he, he didn't say crossing the streams like he normally does. But yes, we have a patron channel, if you guys want to check it out. www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. We have exclusive content on there for you guys. We get exclusive stuff for our patrons, basically. They can come on and suggest stuff. They can suggest films that we want to review. They get everything there. Paul ate a condom in one of the episodes. Uh, that never happened. Yes, you did. Yes, you no did. explanation. Just opened it out of the packet in the middle of a recording. Yeah, he ate it. Well. So if you guys really want to see that content, you have to, you have to sign up and pay for it. It's never come out again. No. He was trying to delete it, but me and Ben edited it back in. And, and just so everyone knows, what... What will we be doing after today's episode on our Patreon special? Well, on today's Patreon special, we're playing a little bit of catch-up. It will be Julio's pick after we did Limelight with him in the last episode. He uh, he wants us to discuss the, the, the good things and the bad things about silent films, uh, which I look forward to talking about because I saw quite a whole bunch of them uh, yes. a year before last. Mm. And it will be good to have a little chat about some of the things that are actually quite fucking good about them. I tried introducing a, a silent podcast, but it didn't really work because nobody, nobody Mate, got you, yours, it. yours is a silent podcast every episode. I yes. <laughs> I let these two boys chat. I was trying to introduce <laughs> it, but you guys were, you didn't really get the message. And obviously I couldn't speak to you and tell you that this is a silent podcast. You guys just kept on talking. Oh, I see. All the film connoisseurs out there were like, oh, Adam really liked paying tribute to the, the film. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He understands the art of silent cinema. <laughs> you and Chaplin, you and Chaplin are the same people, mate. You were, when everyone started talking, you're like, no, no, this is the death of me. 
Wonderful. But anyway, we'll be talking about that stuff later on. But anyway, if you want to sign up, you can get involved in that then. But for now, we're dealing with uh, with uh, with melancholia. Apparently, we are our third Lars von Trier film. It is. Does that take you to the top spot now? No, we've done three David Lynches. We've done a Razorhead. We've done Mulholland Drive, and we've done the Straight Story. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's one other director that Freaking. we've done as well. William Freaking, wasn't it? Uh. We What's did the third freaking? We did Sorcerer, Sorcerer. Exorcist Free, and and, and the bug. bug one. Oh, and Bug, yes, yes. Oh, shit. I never even realised that. I forgot the freaking even did Exorcist Three. Look at. Oh, hang on. He didn't. Did he, he didn't. No. Oh, he no, didn't. that's why. Oh, that was close though. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. That would have been sweet. So, so it's Lynch. Then Martin Scorsese do two. I think Lynch is our yeah, only trilogy. Lynch. And now it's Von Trier. Well, I think it's my pick after this, isn't it? It is. So I think the director I'm picking, I don't think we've done a film by them before. Oh, good. Spoiler okay. alert. Say nothing more, man. Jesus Christ. I'm only giving them a little bit. They're not going to know to the end. They have to listen to all the like, jabber, jabber, jabber in the middle. I hope it's a lady director. It's actually not, unfortunately. You d- disgusting. Why are you so backwards? <laughs> have you picked a female <laughs> director? Have um, we done a female director? Captain America was a female director. Captain, uh, Captain, Mar- female Captain Marvel, I mean. Captain Marvel. Surely. Yeah. Surely. They like Why? to, they like, to female lead. they like to bring women in for female leads because they think they're they're being very like forward thinking, but they're not really. Disney think, oh, this bring in a woman because it's a female lead and then, you know, we're being really progressive here. It's like, no, how about you just bring bring a female in for any film, not just wait yes, for the I, female. I agree films. with that. Captain Marvel was directed by somebody called Anna Bowden and go. Ryan Fleck. Had to oh, have yes, a man I there remember, as well. I remember just because that. Because she yes. couldn't do the job by herself, so they yes. had to have a man there too. Yes, I remember <laughs> that as well. There was a man involved as well. All right, shout. I'm going to go for our, our list of films that we've covered from top rated to bottom and shout when you find one that's directed by a lady and we'll see which is our highest rated female directed film. Ready? Whiplash, The Irishman, Home Alone, Cinema Paradiso, Joker. Casino, Mulholland Drive, and here it comes, One Night in Miami. Oh, oh yeah, very nice. That's that, nice. That is. Our I'm best. glad we've got one in our top ten. Yes, very good. good. We did it, guys. More of this kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, shall we proceed? Yes. yes. Should we move on to the staple of every episode, which is the quiz? Yes. Okay. Well, if anyone hasn't listened to our podcast before, we do a quiz every episode. I ask Adam and Ben two questions. They are all related to the film we're doing, which today is Melancholia. So, if they get the questions right, they get a point. If they get them wrong, I get the points. Yes. Lovely. Ben, you're on 17 points. Adam, you're on 20 points. I'm on 10 points. Because Julio asked many questions in the last episode, which gave me a bunch of points. You have a chance to be right on on the... Heels of Adam, Ben. Okay, are you ready for the first question? Excuse me. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Fingers on voice boxes. Uh, what you got, Biatch? In part one of the I've film... I've done this many times and you never get the South Park reference. Yes, it's a South Park reference. I get it. I don't need to say it's South Park because you've I never, know the reference. You've this never isn't for your reference. This South is Film Park. Busters. I know. All right, fine. Stop misbehaving. I'll put you on the naughty step. Sorry. He's trying to distract you, Adam. Yeah, exactly. He's got me off balance. Here we go. All right, I'm ready for everything now, though. (laughs) 
In part one of the film, Justine sees a red star in the sky that is part of the Scorpion constellation. What is it called? A Taurus? No. I don't even understand the question. What is the Nor star do I really, but Scorpio. Justine sees a red star in the sky that is part of the Scorpion constellation. I don't know what this yes. question well, is. Well, then you didn't, you didn't watch the film properly then, did you? The red star had a name. You were very close, Ben. It's called Antares. Yes, see, I, I had a feeling. I, I, yeah, I, had, I knew it was something like that. Give so, the point. genuine question that was. I'm not giving you the point. You said, said the wrong star thing. Sign. Ben, that's all you did. Well, you said a I Taurus. Said, yeah, I know. It was close, though. Eh? Yeah, it was very it was, close. That was accidentally close because you were just going on the star signs. Ah, you're stingy people. I know. I got confused as to what, what the red star was in relation to the planet, and I was all I could think was Melancholia, so I, I know. remembered there being something like Taurus. That was a trick. You, you, oh, dear. You would have thought to say it was Melancholia, but it was not. It was Antares. Melancholia was a planet. Or you Man. could just say, I don't get the question like Adam did, and then he, bl- he blames my question when he actually wasn't <laughs> watching the film. Well, look, Paul got his first point in three months. Thank today. you. Thank you. I hope you're proud of it, Paul. I am very proud. 11 points. I'm on 11. Legs 11. Legs 11. All the chicks, 66. Two fat ladies, 88. Are you ready for the next question? Yeah. If you you wanted me to say, that is a bingo reference, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, I need to be acknowledged, mate. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm just talking into the void. (laughs) Okay, second question. Here we go. And final question. What is the name of Justine's favourite horse? I thought this would be an obvious one. You love the name questions. You should know to take note. I know, I'm going to in the future. I thought you were going to ask us what drink she was drinking at the wedding. What Just, on earth? Okay, what? You, you obviously didn't guess this one, right? No. Shall I say what it is, or do you want to have a go? guess? Yes, please. No, no, we'll have a guess. Go yeah. on then, guess. Sam. Adam, you go first. Yes, I thought it began with an S, so let me have a think now. <laughs> That's wrong, is it? That's wrong. Sam. I thought it began with an S, though. Striker. Abraham. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I did have it in my head that it began with an S, so when Adam said Sam, I was like, right, well, it's definitely an S then. Very good. I'm on 12 points. Two points for Paul. Let me let me say, did you take note of any of the stuff that happened in this film? Did I take note? <laughs> of any like moments that you thought, that'll be a question? No. I- <laughs> the only question I thought you were going to ask, Paul, is what she was drinking at her wedding. I don't know why, but I just saw it and I thought, what? I, I can't. I, I don't even remember that. that. What the was it? The when she was down in the bottle. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, I didn't bottle about dis- was it? What was it? Dis- Disarono. No, it was Hennessy. But I just mm. had yeah. in my head that you'd um, you'd ask that as a question for some weird reason. I thought you would have both taken note of how many beans were in the jar. Oh, that would have been a good question. But can I guess? I think I know. It was like two thousand, wasn't it? Wrong, 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 no, wrong, wrong. That's wrong. It's six hundred and and I want to say either twenty-eight or thirty-eight. 600, I have it down here, one sec. 678, it was. Oh, I had the first and the last number right. There you go. I would have got bonus points for that. I thought that was too much of an obvious one to ask. If I was thinking that, if I was, because I don't actually sit there thinking, oh, what questions are Paul going to ask? So I don't make notes on things (laughs) I think you're going to ask. But if I was to, that is what I would have written down, actually. How many jelly beans in the jar? (laughs) What a weird fucking thing to do at a wedding. What were they raffling off, anyway? I don't know. You never know. It was just the jelly beans they were raffling off. Did you get the whole jar? 
It's like your yeah. wedding. Who, I, didn't who want, I didn't even want the jelly beans, Ben. <laughs> Gave me jelly beans. <laughs> yeah, you got the jelly beans for free. We didn't even make you guess, mate. You just got it. <laughs> well, well done, Paul. Look at that. Both points to me. So that and the, at the end of that round, Ben 17, Adam 20, and me 12. Oh, shit. Fantastic. Now things are getting interesting again. All right, shall we move on to the main event anyway? Yes, please. Okay. The main event. Um, my question follows on from the German romantic thing. Can you talk a bit about your German roots and the gothic aspect of this film? And also, the, you the mentioned gossip, gossip. gothic. Oh, <laughs> and gossip. also, you gossip. mentioned <laughs> yeah, okay. you mentioned in a Danish uh, film magazine also about your interest in the Nazi aesthetic, and you talked mm-hmm. about that uh, German roots at the same time. Can you tell, me, tell us a bit more about that? Yes, what I, the only thing I can tell is that I, 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 I thought I was a Jew for a long time and was very happy being a Jew. Um, then later on came Susanna Beer and then suddenly I wasn't so happy about being a Jew. Uh, no, that was a joke. Sorry. Um, uh, I, but it turned out that I was not a Jew, and even if I'd been a Jew, I would be kind of a second-rate Jew because there are kind of the, there are kind of a hierarchy in the kind of the Jewish population. But anyway, I, I no, I really wanted to be a Jew, and I, and then I found out that I was really a Nazi, you know, uh, because my family was German Hartmann. Uh, which also gave me some pleasure. <laughs> so I'm kind of a, yeah. So I, 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 what can I say? Um, I, I understand Hitler. But uh, I, 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 I think he did some wrong things. Yes, absolutely. But 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 I I, I can see him sitting in his, in his bunker in the end. <laughs> but I, there will come a point at the, at the end of this. There will come. I will. I will. No, I'm just saying that 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 uh, I understand. I, I think I understand the man. Uh, he's not what we, you would call a good guy, but I. Um, yeah, I I understand much about him, and I sympathize with him a little bit. Yes, not but come on, I, I'm not for the Second World War, and I'm not against Jews. Susanna Beer is no, no, not even Susanna Beer. Um, that was also a joke. I am, of course, uh, very much for Jews. No, not too much because Israel is a pain in the ass. But uh, still. Um, how can I get out of this sentence? <laughs> by, uh, by another question. I am. Uh, I am uh, the, uh, Here's your salvation. Uh, oh, there's just. But no, I just want to say about the art of, of the. I, I'm, I'm very much for uh, Speer. Speer I liked. Albert. Albert Speer I liked. He was also maybe one of God's best children, but he, he had some talent that was kind of. Uh, possible for him to uh, to use during. Um... Okay, I'm a Nazi. <laughs> right, everyone. Today we are talking about Melancholia from 2011 by Lars von Trier. This is a spoiler episode. We'll go straight into spoilers. No hanging around. So if you haven't seen it, we will be spoiling it. So you might want to go check it out and then come back or just spoil yourself. We don't really mind. First of all, Adam. You have to do a very good or very bad plot summary. Whatever you decide to do today. 
Uh, I don't even know what I'm deciding to do. Let's see how this goes. Um, I even don't know how the hot we go into the two of you at the end of it. Oh, that was actually all right. Um, so what? This, this film <laughs> is a... Were you having a conversation with five different people in one <laughs> sentence then? I was just talking to the atmosphere. You sounded possessed. He was talking to the atmosphere. Anyway, this film is about two sisters and uh, one of them is suffering from depression and the other one is looking after her and it's all very weird and a planet is coming towards earth and it's going to destroy earth well <laughs> this is very good how what else am i possibly going to add to a plot that is about that? in the same sentence a perfect and very bad <laughs> exactly <plot description. laughs> It's, that is, is that is the plot of the film. <laughs> well done. That's fine. <laughs> Just a little background information for anyone who cares. This was Lars von Trier's 2011 sci-fi drama, which was inspired by his own experiences with depression. The leading actress, Kirsten Dunst, herself had also suffered from depression, so was drawn to the role for that very reason. Um, and she was actually recommended to Von Trier by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, this is the second entry in Lars Von Trier's self-titled Depression Trilogy, sandwiched between Antichrist and Nymphomaniac. And, as you will have heard before we cut to this segment, it was during the press run at the Cannes Film Festival for this movie that Von Trier infamously came out with his Nazi Hitler comments. Um, interestingly, it is Lars Von Trier's least favourite film of his own. He thinks it is a little bit soft and has described it as double cream, cream upon cream. And he says when watching it, he was hoping for a bit of bone to be found in amongst the cream so that someone might crack their fragile tooth on uh, and that's all I got for this one I think that's enough mm, I like that little quote do you want to know another bit of trivia yes I think I it would take a lot of effort to figure it out unless we signed up for a pro patron account but I think that because of Udo Kier's appearance in this film he's Ooh, probably yeah. the actor we've watch the most films for for this podcast because he's been in the last 12 months i would say he's been in at least five films that we've done um i mm. could easily show you uh so we've got melancholy we've got baccarat traffickers concrete and we've got and we've got we've got melancholy baccarat we've got my son my son what have you done yeah traffickers concrete um including this film we've done four the four Apparently. i said then Really? Yeah. Baccarat, Dragged Across Concrete, My Son, My Son, and this one. Oh, well, that's disappointing. I thought mm. he'd been in more. Apparently not. What a shame. Okay, so this is my film choice. So I am going to decide what order. And I'm going to go first. Okay. And then it's going to be Ben, and okay. then it's going to be Adam. Okay. I don't think Adam's going to last for a while, so okay. I'm going to let him wait. Wait it out. Milk it out. Okay. So, me first. I, I only watched this film a few weeks ago, and I immediately, I really wanted to discuss it on the podcast. I was really blown away, and it, and it, I, I hadn't stopped thinking about it since I first watched it. So I was really excited to go back to it. Um, I absolutely love the approach to like contextualizing depression, the, the like the sense of isolation from your family and friends the the lack of understanding from everyone around you 
It's, I think it's just all so brilliantly portrayed in this film. And every character is written so well that they project like every intention that Lars wants you to, wants you to see and feel. I feel. And um, whether that be that, like their lack of understanding, their, their greed, their naivety, their selfishness, or like the fear of the situation that like this massive world crashing into the planet. And I just feel like everyone has so much depth in the film, and I love that. And then this idea of depression is literally like metamorphosized into a physical representation of depression. The idea of this world like crashing down upon you. I just think it's beautiful and at the same time absolutely terrifying. The idea of like having this this sense of dread literally hanging over you and every waking hour you know your world's coming to an end is horrendous. It scares the hell out of me, just that thought. And to top it all off, this, like the the cinematography and score just perfects it. I think it's a stunning piece to watch. It's my favourite Von Trier film, hands down. And I actually upgraded my score from late. It's now a 9 out of 10. Wowee. Yes. Oh, big talk. Big talk. Big I really, talk. really enjoy this film. That's big talk, baby. Lars Von Trier, baby. And what do you give Antichrist for context? Antichrist, I actually give a seven. Do you did? That's true. Yeah. Good lord. There's something that I that I can't get past with that film. I think it is the it is the the subject matter, and it's it goes a little too heavy with it. I think. And I think that's that's obviously von Trier's own thoughts that he doesn't think he went heavy enough with this film, or mm. not heavy enough. It is very heavy, but I mean message heavy. Not message heavy. Like he didn't go dark enough. Let's say. Or well, anyway, we'll we, we talk about all that stuff. Yes, and that's okay. So that's what I wanted from this. I needed a little more bone in the cream. Okay, for me, uh, I I, I did like it though. I liked it. Um, it, but I it's one of those films where I, again we talked about this before. Can't think what film to compare it to, but uh, but I appreciate what it's saying a bit more than how it said it. I, okay. I, I, I'm probably going to enjoy talking about it more than I enjoyed the experience of watching it because I, I thought the first half particularly was just a little bit boring after a while. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I, I, kind, I, I get what you mean about the characters. They all feel very real. They feel very real and very well fleshed out and, and thought out. But there wasn't... There wasn't quite enough happening after it, it, it quite quickly gets established for you. Like I knew that it was about depression before watching anyway. So then, once she it, it, she starts revealing that depression a little bit more to the part, I guess from there I, it all became a bit repetitive because it felt like every interaction she had with someone it was like we're going to reinforce for you now that she's depressed and that people are being cruel to her and wicked to her, to her and telling her she should be enjoying herself and it's like I get it let's move on from that now and that went on a little bit too long I actually enjoyed the second half more much much more I should, uh, probably actually I enjoyed the second half a lot more because for me it just showed three different world viewpoints of the world there because you had the depressive you had the sort of you know what I want to say realist not optimist not realist but kind of like normal if you want to call it that I, i'm not saying that being depressed isn't normal but like the the more everyday person who doesn't identify himself as having depression their mm -hmm. point of view and then the really cold rational point of view of a situation so Kiefer sutherland's cold rational 
maybe borderline scientific Charlotte Gainsbourg's sort of like normal this is how we would react to a situation and then Curse and Dance and I really liked that section I liked the three of them reacting to this thing in many ways I would have enjoyed the film if it had been more that the whole way through and exploring the threads of that but because of that first half and how slow and ponderous it was and because even though the second half was good it kind of it was what it was it didn't it feels like with Antichrist so much stuff was happening and it was like what's this saying what's that saying what's this saying what's that saying whereas this it was kind of like okay i get it this is this is good but and what why are you running this story for two hours and 20 minutes now um but i enjoyed it as as an insight into depression i don't i don't personally think it offers like much in the way of new information on depression it doesn't make me think necessarily any more about depression or, or give me any sort of insights that i didn't particularly have before mm. but i think it, it felt very honest and i did enjoy it i'm really this is really tough for me because when i watched it i was like that's a six but as i'm thinking about it and the thinking of it it makes me want to give it a seven so the only way i was able to really decide because i found it, it almost impossible to decide was to look at what i've given sixes and sevens this year and the only film I've given a six this year is Burn After Reading, and it's better than that. And then the sevens, my lowest seven is Lego Batman, and 100% is better than that. So <laughs> it, has, it has to be a seven through process of elimination, but it's, but it's borderline. It's bo- it is borderline. How's it matched up can, against Pan's Labyrinth? Well, we can say that at the end when we go and, when we go and place it. Uh, but there you go. I look forward to talking about it. I do. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's start. First of all, I, I kind of agree with Ben on this film a bit more than I agree with Paul. Uh, the first half of the film went on for way too long. And like Ben says, once you've got the message across, we can kind of move on now. Like you, you're just watching the same thing happen again and again. And it's kind of a bit... I kind of get why, because it's kind of trying to bring her into her world. But they did it quite early on. So now we can move on. I enjoyed the second half a lot more but I didn't enjoy every part of this movie there were some parts of the movie for me where it dipped a bit and there were some parts where it was good uh, it's quite I don't know I found it a bit too like I don't know self-indulgent in places as well I don't really know how to describe this film but <laughs> yeah it's just it was very hit and miss throughout the whole of this film one minute I was like oh this is actually pretty good one minute I'm like can this film hurry up it, it, it was way too long it doesn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes. It should be like an hour 40. Um, you can cut a lot of fat off this film. I think that's probably what let it down in some ways. And I'm going to give it a seven as well. Seven as well. That's higher than you gave Antichrist. I enjoyed this more than Antichrist. It's. I feel like it's a little bit more palatable. And I feel like the message is a bit clearer and it's more... Antichrist, you have to be in a very particular mood, I think, for it. Whereas this is kind of a bit, they put a bit more ribbon on it. I do think that his films definitely are like that branch of cinema where, like, you know, there's two ways of watching a film, as we've discussed before. You you watch a film just because you want to enjoy a film. Oh, wicked a film. Let's watch a film, get some joy out of it. Or you watch a film to be challenged. Mm. And all of his films you don't put on for enjoyment. You're like, I need to. I'm I, I'm getting ready for some thoughts and some themes here that yeah, are going to be hard to, to to digest. Definitely. Talking about that first half, 
uh, just as just as uh, you were both talking then about you thinking it was going on for too long and it was very repetitive. I, re- I really like that um, that first half, mm-hmm. and first of all, I think that it was quite fleeting and it kept jumping from moments to moments. And I was thinking they're not even trying to fill this out too much, and I could have had a little bit more, if anything. Oh really? But um, I I can kind of see that as as soon as you start talking about, it, I was like, this is exactly what a depressed person will be feeling like that they're hearing the same thing again and again like buck up stop feeling like this and I see it as almost like this is a depressed person and how they have to deal with their day to day where nobody like is understanding them or wants to talk to them or is just trying like very trivial ways to try and get them over their depression Um, and I can see it that way as well I can and I can't like I said it's kind of like you're getting put into her world but I don't know, the film wasn't moving forward. It's like, yes, this is the beginning of a film like this. Like, you should, you've got to win people over at the beginning and it's kind of like already putting you off, in my opinion. What he what he's saying is kind of the thing, like, you need to buy me in a little bit more and actually, you know the opening, the actual opening, those mm. eight minutes of, of like painting style apocalyptic images yeah. while everything you said paul beautiful and 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 look great the cinematography of those shots was great i was bored halfway through that because i was like the first few i'm like oh wow and then i'm like all right get to the point lars you're doing eight minutes of this and then reset okay appearing in the limo the limo thing very funny i was on board with the limo thing i was like okay here we go this is new this is new for lars and then we get to the party and it's like ah now you're stuck in first gear again man like we had some momentum and now you're just spinning your gears that's interesting it's so interesting i i really enjoyed it i i loved being in that headspace of just like yeah. this she just, she just wanted to escape the situation i loved all the characters i liked how the characters were literally evolving and you're kind of understanding why she was in this situation how how she got to this situation but all these people treating the way she does and i just thought it was, i thought it was great like the even to the, even to John Hurt, right when he comes into it, I was like, I quite like him as a dad, and she kind of attaches herself to the dad and wants him. Yeah. Where at the end of the day, he is actually like just kind of learning and progressing through that first half. You actually learn that he's probably the actual one who made the mum as bitter as she is because he's yes. just left her. Yes. And and she's craving this man's attention, and he's just not giving it to her, and he calls her Betty. It's like. Doesn't even call her the right name. Why well, he calls lots of people Betty for some strange I know, reason? I, I've, I've, I don't know whether it's some kind of early dementia onset thing. dementia or yeah, something. Yeah, dementia thing, or is it, or even just a way of showing how he's he really doesn't care and he's very selfish. That he just he just like oh you're Betty. It's like don't Betty, care about the actual person. Betty, I, I did I did enjoy John Hurt's character. <laughs> But it's just like, are you Betty? Oh, no, you're not Betty. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. But you know what? So here's something that kind of didn't work, right? Take away the fact that Kirsten Dunst uh, is suffering with depression. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everyone at that wedding was an asshole. Yeah. And yeah. I think in order for, for it to have really, if it wanted to do something a bit fresh and and insightful with the depression angle it was not make everyone a, a, a an asshole because you could kind i could have kind of got into her headspace more if they weren't all already assholes because that's the thing people with depression are 
from the outside they they can seem very happy to everyone else but not everyone around them necessarily is an asshole there are nice people around them who you know you can't not blame but you can't say oh well that's that's why they are the way they are that's why the way that they're reacting the way they're reacting because they're surrounded by these people no there's depressed people who are surrounded by loving caring people but everyone pretty much at that wedding apart from to an extent her husband was an asshole I see. I saw saw her husband as a bit of a. He was just a naive idiot, and he yeah. done, didn't understand how to deal with the situation. Yeah, he and didn't then, understand how to deal with her depression. That's for sure. Yeah, he was very like base instincts. Like, oh, now I can have sex with her because she's taken her clothes off. Mm. <laughs> but like, you would assume so man. on your wedding night, right? Well, yeah, you would assume so, but then that's assuming wrong because that is not the person you're marrying. But the, you know. <sighs> I don't know. I kind of feel like Lars was trying to say something else here and it got convoluted because why Why did everyone around at the wedding need to be selfish, horrible, terrible people? Is it a case of he suffered with depression so it was like his whole worldview is that everyone is terrible, everyone is horrible. So actually it was like perception that everyone at the wedding is terrible and horrible. Or did he just throw a bunch of terrible, horrible people around her? Because if he wanted to really like make it accurate and true... Put some loving, caring people around her too. I feel like he maybe did it to lament that, like, nobody is... This is what she sees people as. She doesn't see anyone there. The only person that seemed nice there was her dad. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He he left her in the lurch when she really needed it at the end. Mm. And that was the point. He was like the husband who just left the baby as soon as the baby was born. Yes. Like, okay, why do you think he did it? Why do you think Lars made everyone assholes? I feel like that's that's the way she looks at the world. That everyone's an arsehole. Perception. No one really right. reads you correctly. No one. You can't latch onto anyone. You're at this party, but yet you feel so alienated that you just want to keep leaving it and you want to keep going out. And- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, part, partly perception and partly that is just her life. That is the story. It is not trying to say that all depressed people have no one looking out for them in their lives. It's just this is Kirsten Dunst's life. This is... Um, Justine's life she's just yeah. surrounded by these horrible people and I almost saw it I was I was trying to like on my second watch attach these people to a deadly sin and right. it kind of worked in some ways but then I thought no because they're not counting up the sins like there was there was pride with Kiefer Sutherland who's constantly about money and I've I've put all this money out them she should be happy kind of thing it's like this is yeah. my this is my riches and pride about we have 18 holes in this golf course kind of thing. 19 yeah. and then it, And then it's like Wrath, who's like the mother, who just, she just hates everything. She just wants to get rid of the wedding. She doesn't believe in it. And then Stellan Skarsgård would be greed because all he cares about is his business and he wants, he wants her to create the tagline. And mm-hmm. I was kind of like putting these, putting these deadly sins to different people and it was like... The not husband every- lust. Well, in, in some way, yes, but I don't think it went that far with the lust to... Uh, to say he was lust but I feel that's why I enjoyed it because I didn't feel like they were hammering down everyone is in the same boat like everyone feels exactly the same about Justine about getting over it they all have their own reasons to be selfish yeah yeah and that's what I enjoyed that's what I loved about these these very deep filled out characters they can take a lot from yeah, I mean they they were they they did have lots of 
individual stuff going on for them which resulted in them being like these fucking terrible people they were fleshed out which is good considering you only spend fleeting time with each of them yeah um mm. i don't know i just feel like maybe it would have been nice to have not had like it would have felt more of a true um representation of depression if not everyone around her was terrible but equally i take your point adam that maybe that is just all perception maybe mm. it is just all from her point of view because the first half of the film that first chapter justine is shot differently it's very it is very kind of brownie gold almost it feels like it's all at night sepia as well, sepia toned mm. yeah it's all it's all at night time and it has it has a very distinct look separating it from the second half the second half is almost overexposed like too yeah. bright it's the, it's the planet isn't it classic it's the, the yes. neon colors yeah. of the planet the planet yeah um going back to that the, the pressure thing i i so it's interesting how you respond to depression because when Again, all right, Adam, did you know this was about depression until the film started? Did you know before no, the no. film started that it was going to be? So when she's turning up to the wedding and she's in the limo and she's like smiling with him, it feels very genuine. It feels like this is a couple in love. Yeah, it's it not. It feel like this is a woman There's a moment in it where it's definitely, it's like at first you're like, okay, there's something up here. I kind of get what it is, but I'm still not 100% certain what exactly what it is. And then there is a moment where it clicks. I can't remember the exact moment. And it's just like, I think it's when she's talking to him about him saying how much money he spent. Yes. I think that was mm. the moment I was like, okay, now I know what this is going on here. You see, those those moments, that is what I really loved and appreciated because it starts with this happy moment where they can't get the, the limb around the corner. Yeah. And just like life, everyone's not just one tone the whole way through their life they have moments of levity if they if mm. no matter whether they're in a, a depressed state or not they have these moments where they're lit, uplifted just in a little moment like the fact where they have their first dance or where they're eating the cake or where she's dancing with her father it's just like obviously they, they can have not just one note and have these moments of levity as well and i appreciated that yeah I yeah no no I agree I'm not I'm not saying that she should have been yeah depressed and sad the whole time but I just thought like it was interesting that when I was watching it even though knowing it was about her depression at that point I was like oh she really didn't seem depressed mm, mm. and even at the the start of the wedding speeches she's still kind of smiling and laughing a little bit again that could be saying something as well oh she doesn't look depressed she's she's getting married and she's happy with a man well that's exactly it. but what okay so what I didn't understand though was I didn't believe, regardless of depression or not, that she would have entered into this marriage with this man who didn't seem to be putting any pressure on her at all to get married. Do you know I what I mean? Know. I don't, I don't I, know, because I, I feel like people people kind of follow the template of what they think they should do, and maybe this will make them happy. It's just like being in a doomed yeah, relationship maybe. and being like, yeah. oh, let's have a baby now, because that's going to make things better. Mm, it's like, true. no, you're, just, you're putting a plaster over something that's broken. That's true. Yep. Yep. I get that. I, I, and it's to the film's credit that I was asking that question because that is what happens in real life. Like, yeah. you, like you find out yeah. someone is depressed normally, sadly, after they've taken their life. Oh, yeah. He, he, he she suffered with depression for years. Yeah. You go, oh, I never would have known it. Always seemed so happy. Robin Williams and people like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Um, looking at the characters and you're saying that everyone was kind of just horrible people. As Adam said, on first watch, I was like, oh, her dad, he's the only per nice person out of these people. I actually really like, and she's attaching herself to him. And I, and I 
liked him until he leaves yeah but that yeah until he leaves and i was thinking oh it's like he's he's just here for her and he calls her your you look so beautiful today and everything but mm. once again it's just ignoring the situation isn't it but i, yes. I appreciate that unaware of the severity of the situation that, um, that's I, it he's he doesn't care enough he, yeah. he's just he's consumed with his own narcissism he's a narcissist that's what he is mm. yeah yeah i think it's more 100%. ignorance than narcissistic yeah no he, he's ignorant of her thing for sure but i mean he's narcissistic in that he wants the attention on him of the women the whole time yeah, like that yeah. of course that woman like you said paul was bitter because of her relationship with him that woman like cousin dunce mum like she may even suffer her own depression as well mm. and he's like stealing all the spoons he's just trying to make attention to himself isn't he yeah see where so in the second half where did yes. her husband go oh so that's coming to the end of the first half when her, the husband leaves, they they um they just decided to call the wedding off because it clearly wasn't working. They yeah. they come to they come to terms and been like, yeah, this is not gonna happen. This is not gonna work. I don't. It was very abrupt. Yeah, yeah, it was very abrupt, and I was like, okay, they kind of like mention it, but you surely would have thought they'd have hung on that moment quite a bit more. I feel like this is um, going into what we were saying about Kirsten going along this template of what she feels she should have done, and she was. When it came to it, she was actually like, "It's not what I want. I don't know why I'm doing this." And she could tell by the way she, she wouldn't even throw her flowers, and she was just well, in she a horrible with state. The guy in the bunker. Yeah, she didn't. She didn't want it. Though everyone thinks that she wants to get married and she's going to be happy now, it's not. It's, it's not helping. She may have thought it, it was going to help at some point, but it's, it wasn't. So, what's the point in carrying on with it? I get it. She was looking for answers. She was looking for things that maybe she thought might make her feel happy again. But when depression is all-consuming like that, it's it's just not going to happen. Mm. Unless with, with tablets, medication or something. Yeah. I didn't like that she slept with the guy because that felt dishonest to her character and also to the depression like it didn't feel it didn't feel in keeping it wasn't like oh well she's depressed that's why she's doing that that didn't mm. it didn't fit right I, I can kind of agree with that yeah that that yeah. was a uh, that was the one moment but at the same time it could also be like she just wants to feel something she's yeah, just very it's all very sterile and nothing almost, she's getting it's no kind of, out almost feels day. like a bit of a fuck you as well but why to mm. her husband who was a decent guy yeah but I feel like she was just that one moment of him trying it on with her when she didn't want it just kind of spiralled off to go fuck you for a second like we can always talk about this shit but we don't really know unless you're in the situation I mean on your wedding day as well which you potentially don't already want you choose to fuck I mean maybe that's it yeah maybe that's it maybe it's some defiant act fuck you to people yeah maybe I'll do this on my wedding day it just didn't it didn't feel like in keeping with her personality uh, it was at that point it was definitely all about rebelling against everyone because no one understood how she was like sh she gave her boss a chance and he was just being selfish so she was like fuck you i don't want to be in this job anymore and she was almost pushing against everyone and then by the end of the night where he just wanted to consummate the wedding and she just wanted to sit she just wanted to sit and talk to him mm. he didn't want to listen and it's like well fuck you this is what i'm gonna do it was all about pushing back against them not necessary to to help herself and make herself happy just more yeah. like fuck you i mean what sort of boss does turn up to a fucking wedding and expect someone to come up with a tagline for fuck's sake there were some horrible people Kiefer sutherland he did such a good job in this because i hated him yes i know <laughs> he I, was I, horrible I, personally i think he was the uh mv well no no, no it's not, that's not true the, the, Kirsten Dunst and Charlotte Gainsbourg were, were 
better. But I he think was the great. three of them, the three of the, them yeah, did the best. Yeah, they did. Those three did do the best. Yeah. Yeah. But he um, was like, I believe everything he was saying. It was like, I believe your character is like this. Yeah, totally. And I couldn't work out if he was a good or a bad guy at first because, mm. like, it was such an affluent house. Yeah. It's hard to determine whether or not the characters that you're meeting are bad people or just rich people because sometimes they go hand in hand and sometimes they yeah. don't. Like, when, automatically in a film, when you see, like, opulent wealth, you go, well, you're either an asshole or you're just fucking rich as fuck and that's just yeah. how you act. <laughs> that's what this is what happens when you have a big showy fucking wedding that has nothing to do with the people involved and everything to do with what's going on around them because it was all about yeah. the country estate and all of that shit yeah yeah and that was their house like fucking hell man how how self-consumed are you to throw that shit at your own house was it actually their house yeah because they were living there right it was the same golf course it's like your house has a golf course man yeah, yeah. that's that's what that's the the bit that threw me that it wasn't their house obviously they're living there but the fact that he kept saying We've got eighteen holes here, because as if he like holes, paid the it? money for it to happen. Well, that's the thing. It's eighteen holes, but there's actually nineteen holes on the golf course. And I've read facts, and Lars said that the nineteenth hole is limbo. I don't know what that means, but Claire walks past the nineteenth hole but, at the beginning. But, yeah, but he's all along been saying there's eighteen holes. Yeah, I don't know why he's he's making a big deal of there being eighteen holes because that's how many goals holes a golf course has. So why do you need to keep saying it? that's like that's like walking around going we've got two goals on our football pitch? It's like well yes, <laughs> that's just, the number you have. It's just him just throwing his wealth around, isn't it? And I I kind of I liked that. I like this. It's like meaningless. It's like you have eighteen holes. It's like mm. what the fuck? Who cares about your fucking eighteen holes? Most golf courses have this many holes. It's like what <laughs> is that? What is that? What's good about that? <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's tr- that is true, <laughs> and I, just lo- I love as well his his character where he's like, "Oh, this is this is um, Abraham, my horse. He's only I'm the only one who he lets ride." And then keeps in the background. That's not strictly true. It's like, I'm yeah. <laughs> and he's like, just all these throwaway comments. It's like, yeah, yeah you're making your character really an arsehole right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he was good. Yeah, he was very, very good. But see, I liked him much all of them much more in the second act and what what mm. it did for their for their characters and their yeah. points of view a lot more there it kind of felt it just feels odd decision to have like your first hour of the film with all of these characters and then to get rid of loads of them yeah. and just deal with like a few it's kind of odd but i'm glad he did i preferred that it was definitely about fleshing out her depression and making people understand that okay this is how she's feeling and then we're going to get to the second half, and this is how you're going to feel when this planet's coming down on you. It's like yeah. you're going to be scared, you don't know what to do, and this is like the whole world is feeling this right now, but you didn't care when this one person felt like this. Mm. And I think we should move on to the second part now, but let me just say a shout-out to Udo Kier, because cool. I really liked when he's like, I don't even want to look at her. <laughs> he's had in front of his face. How dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, and also his he's he set he puts the lanterns out. Do you remember the lanterns that fly yeah. in the air? And his one sets fire. <laughs> <laughs> his characters are some idiot. Those fuckers, they don't care about the environment. Sending up no, their lanterns, man. No, they don't. <laughs> um, what was the last thing that happened before oh, yeah, it cuts? So just before we get to to um, part two, the last thing that happens. So the wedding's over. The next day, they go out on the horses. Um, they go to a bridge, which is I want to talk about as well because Lars loves bridges in his films. Have you noticed uh-huh. that in in uh, Antichrist? Uh, uh, there was a very 
prominent bridge that she runs crossed over. into the weird little world, wasn't it? Like where the house was, it was her own world. It was like the boundary, yeah, on, right. into a different place. And this this bridge, the horse doesn't want to cross it. The golf cart stops as soon as it gets to the bridge. I don't know hmm. what it's trying to say. I don't know what it means, but he liked bridges. The reason Alaza likes bridges is he's a fucking troll. <laughs> you gotta play the troll toe. He is. He loves to troll everyone, man. Well, that's it. That's his, uh, him trolling people with his bridge. Yeah. Like, look at this bridge. Maybe I'm Lance couldn't get across it. That's why nothing else in his films can get across it. <laughs> we maybe, can't film maybe, over there. It could be maybe something to do with um, crossing, the, crossing the bridge to salvation, like to get out of this, this place or this mindset. She like she wanted to escape this planet crashing down on her. She couldn't escape with the golf buggy. Yes. Um, coming away from the situation in the wedding, she wanted to get out with the horse, and they couldn't cross it again, or the horse yes. wasn't there across it. Yeah. But then the last thing they actually see the horse on the cross the bridge. She looks up at the sky and says, "Antares is missing from Scorpio." So the red star she saw at the beginning of part one is not seen anymore, and it is because melancholia is blocking it from view. And also, because it's fucking daytime. And it's daytime. <laughs> That's what I thought, which was what I was like, yeah, stars aren't out during the day. But doesn't she, no, but she arrives during daytime, and you can see it. Well. Doesn't she? No. She does arrive no, at, at it's, daytime. It's, it's, it's getting into dusk, so it's starting to appear. It, it's, <laughs> it's getting to dusk. Well, she's either very stupid... It was like bright blue skies up in the sky. That's the thing. And it was like, what? Of course. There's no stars up there, man. You can't see them. (laughs) This is simple physics for you. And then, yes, on to part two, which is Claire. Yes. Yes. Um, Now, do you know what I thought was going to happen here? Yeah. And in a way, I'm glad it didn't. I thought we were going to replay the entirety of the evening from Claire's point point of view. Yes. I did think that as well. Yeah, she was because it would have been interesting stuff. Yes, and then I thought, okay, what we're going to see now is what happened, what actually happened from the perspective of someone who isn't suffering yes. from depression. How people feel about her, maybe or something. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, well, it was interesting the way it played out. Nevertheless. Yeah, yeah. So we started that she's. We we see that she's coming. Uh, Keith is not happy about it, and she's she's struggling to get in a car. And also that this planet, Melancholia, is coming and it's going to pass by the Earth. That is what Keith keeps saying. He's he's saying it's going to fucking just fly by. Yeah. And his whole thing is, this is cool, trust the scientists. Claire is, is more, she's getting nervous about it and anxious about it. Progressively so is this chapter. Yeah, yeah. Unva- you, know unveils. What, you know what I love about this is, this is credit to Charlotte and Kiefer as their exchanges about this planet passing by or crashing into the earth was so believable because it's conversations me and Zoe have all the time especially when like early days of corona like we're gonna be okay aren't we we're gonna be okay it's like they're asking a question that the you answer, can't really you can't know the answer, answer, the answer. For. You, you don't know the answer but you have to just give them an answer that's gonna like calm them down or make them feel better and that is just what you have to do in those situations can i ask you a question this is something that i was thinking of when yeah, uh, i was watching this film who would, would you identify with in this final 
section. Uh, if so this was to happen, are we talking who, about the three of them? Yeah, who do you who do you think he would be? Oh, well, I know Zoe would be Charlotte. So who would you be? I'm thinking about who I'd be, and I would probably end up. I mean, I would be Kiefer to an extent. I wouldn't be the selfish prick. You'd be the optimist, maybe. Yeah, I'm the optimist, but I wouldn't be taking my own life and leaving my family in the dust. Yeah, but see now, the 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 forget. So remove Zoe from the situation. Yeah, you I would still no. I would say that you personally would be Kiefer. Yeah, I would be. Do you know what? I that I man. Who, uh, hang on. Who would you be, Adam? How would you react out of three? <laughs> so obviously, Kirsten Dunst is a bit more just. This going to happen. Might as well just kind of accept it and enjoy what you've got left isn't it almost the only time she kind of seems happy in the film yeah but she doesn't enjoy anything at that point she's just like resigned to yeah. the end um, yeah. for her, I think for her I she feels keep, nothing keep someone's optimism I hope that it would be good lord the fact that you two say Kiefer Sutherland's optimism like Kiefer for me in this point he's like he's a terrible individual at this point yeah I agree because he's he's not connecting to the emotion I get the thing about trying to keep his wife calm and everything like that but in doing so he removes all humanity he removes his human connection he's he's a liar throughout this process and he's also he's not just a liar he's actively trying to pervert the truth for those around him he, he he's like trust the scientists but he's telling her don't google don't don't google this he don't google thinks that he's going away he doesn't yeah. because because he's he's he knows he knows that it's not. That's why he's telling her don't Google anything about it. He it's knows it's, it's like the that end. thing that if you Google anything, you're always going to get the answer that you're going to yeah. die. I That's agree. more it's what that hoping. is. It's more keeping away from the conspiracy theories and about what is going to happen. It's dealing with saying, the facts you've just, got. Just be like he he's so excited about it. All. He's got the telescope out. He's getting his kid to make a new toy about it. All like. Yeah, but you he wouldn't knows. do that. You wouldn't do that. I, I, I don't think. I don't think he does know. And yeah, that's at when, that point, and then he, he realizes obviously that it is going to do it, and that's when he kills himself. Well, as soon I as believe... he works out himself, he kills himself. Yeah, I don't. I, that's not my reading of it at all. I, I don't know how you. I, from, I'm surprised that you knows. kind of read that in any other way. I thought it was kind of yeah, obvious. I've... He's not a scientist. That's no, the no, thing. No, he's, he's not. But he's just doing. He's like listening to the news and listening to the scientists, and that's why he's got his telescope out. He's chasing it around the the site like the he's still course. fascinated by it as a study as something to study with the planet bit representing depression what he knows is that it's this terrible thing but he's he's fascinated by the concept it's like those yeah. who study depressive people who are fascinated by what's happening to them they know the inevitability of what's happening to them but they're just observing it through a lens being like oh this is great to play out. i think that's the the difference is whether you believe that he knew all along or whether he's just trusting the knowledge that he has, which is all the scientists are saying it's going to pass by. It's like, this is like Corona, just believing exactly what people are going to say, and then it changes, and it's like, okay, well, these are, this is the new information I have now. Well, I would not be John, and I think he is uh, very robotic, devoid of human emotion. Yeah, but also he's just going, for, he's just like going along with it. He's got no reason to show the human emotion. Hmm. He doesn't think he's going to die. I think you two have picked him because he's the male character. No, no. All he has, all the information he has, is that this planet's going to pass by. It's one. It's a moment in a lifetime. You're never going to have this experience again. And he's like, oh, this is really exciting. 
let me get my son involved. Like as soon as like as soon as the power went out, he came along with the lamp straight away. Like this was meant to happen. Yeah, he had all supplies. Yeah, as he if, had excuses all ready to go. He knew oh, what was going to happen. Yes. In a very negative way, I think. Mate, yeah, I, you are not meant to think that he is a good person. You are not no, meant to not think that he was innocent. No, you're not saying that's a different argument. No, no, okay, I know that. Sorry, I, I said that in a sweeping way. But what I mean is, he was not. He he was not. Oh, I'm so sure this is going to happen. And then when it didn't, oh shit, I didn't know. He was like, he always knew. He didn't even that tell. There was a strong himself. possibility it was going to collide, and he was fascinated by the prospect. That's what. That's the difference. I think what you're mistaking for his excitement and encouragement with his son, what you're mistaking for, like. Uh, unbridled joy at the situation and oh this is a fascinating thing to live through was actually an obsession on his part with with the whole scenario yeah i'd say so but he but the obsession isn't with this planet's gonna crash into our planet i I don't think he believes in the possibility that that actually is a possibility they probably said it was such a small possibility that that could happen yeah this is the situation right claire is zoe saying to me are we going to be okay through coronavirus? And I say, we're going to be fine because the statistics say we're unlikely to be have a bad effect against it. And then a couple of months down the line, suddenly me and Zoe have corona. And I'm like, oh shit, I just didn't think this would have happened. But it's because I'm an optimistic person that I would always say, I don't think it happened because the t- what the stats are telling me is it's not going to happen. I didn't think all, I didn't think all along... We're going to get corona. No, it's like planning your wedding, Ben, and they say it's a 10% chance of rain. But you don't plan, you don't put all your wedding inside straight away. You still plan to have your wedding outside. You go, it's a 10% chance of rain. That's a 90% chance that it's not going to rain. And you go it's on like, those odds so rather th- than that odds. What you're saying, I agree. I agree that, yeah. But, I don't, but that's not optimism. That's rationalism, and that's yeah, uh, that's what, my that's point. What he's and probably gone with it's probably the news yeah, so, is saying okay. this, that, and the so other. So he's rationalising. So he's rationalising. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's what he's doing. He's rationalising the situation through rationalising the situation, and we're not talking about something small. We're talking about the end of the world, right? Remember mm-hmm. this. Yep. We're talking about the end of the world by r- trying to rationalise it and actually shut out the reality and what is actually going to fucking happen he takes the humanity out of the situation he sucks the humanity out of the situation and becomes devoid of all emotion himself so unlike um kirsten dunst who through her complete uh, depressive breakdown has become completely disconnected from emotion and the world he has done exactly the same thing but through the process of rationalization and, and saying well this this will happen and this will happen and this means this and this means that so all these things are facts. All these things are facts, and I'm dealing with these facts. But the fact that is right in his face is that they are all going to die. But he won't deal with that. He will deal with everything around it other than that because he I would have to connect to his humanity. that they are going to die when he doesn't know that. When he finds out they're going to die, he then kills himself. Yeah, I, would also, I would also say that saying he's devoid of emotion is actually the, it's the opposite. He was incredibly excited as soon as he found out that the, the planet was going to um, get destroyed. He was incredibly depressed so much that he killed himself, even more so than Kirsten because she doesn't kill herself. It's almost like a snapback and elastic band. Yeah, like. it's like you. I've been dealing with this all along. You can't even handle the extreme emotions of each situation where, where she's been dealing with it this whole time, where as soon as he starts feeling like she does, I'm getting out of this world. I need, I need to go. Yeah, no, yeah I, I can get that. 
I think I, I think that is the whole point. These these three characters, they're very polar opposites of monotone depression. Then there's Kiefer, who is I I think he's on both sides of like the spectrum, hyper excited, and then suddenly, as soon as the planets get explode, he's gone low as you can go. I'm killing myself. Claire is kind of, as you say. The, po- the, po- the rest of the population how they would act in the situation they're kind of just bumble along hoping they're going to be okay and then scared as soon as the realisation hits them she's the she's the human one she's my point of identification for the second half because she's connected to her humanity she's connected to life she's fearful for the end of her life she's fearful what's going to be there left for her son she says it she says but where, where will he grow up where will yeah. Leo grow up she cares she has emotion she's real whereas Kiefer is so fucking robotic about everything that's not a human being I I would say I would turn into Claire as soon as I knew the planet was ending I couldn't I wouldn't be Kiefer all along and I think that's it people are different you can't just assign yourself to one emotion also if you found out the planet was ending you still wouldn't kill yourself because there could be a possibility that you wouldn't die yeah yeah, but he killed himself because he didn't want to have to suffer what he knew would be the yeah. inevitable eventualism of it. I think we should bring ourselves back to Justine because so we haven't spoken about that she has this uh, sort of way to, of premonition. Yeah. And she, as soon... I don't know how this premonition works, but as soon as her nephew explains about the planet this is when her whole personality changes and she almost becomes in sync with the world and it's like this planet is crashing down you just like you felt like it was crushing you before it's actually happening real like in real life now and she's kind of come to terms with okay yeah this is how i've been feeling all along this is how the rest of the world feels right now, and I'm happy in what in in this situation. I think it was like pure resignation to her depression at that point. Yeah. With melancholia coming and melancholia essentially being her depression. Yeah. It's like what the depressive people say is that it's not just you who's depressed, it's the whole world that is depressed. So it's it feels like the whole world is ending. Because obviously we know this is not a fucking disaster film. It's not really a film about a planet colliding with Earth. It's just symbolic. Yeah. And that planet coming and killing everything was just the end of her life. Like it just it destroys any joy, it destroys anything for her, it destroys everything around her, all the people around her it affects. Like a, it's a very, very bleak look into depression. And I know depression is a very bleak subject, but there is there is hope out there and there are drugs and there is therapy and things like that mm-hmm. um, but for her she spiralled right into it to the point where it consumed everything have yeah. you two ever known anyone who suffered from depression like not clinical to depression extent. not to that extent no mm. how about you yes and the, the and, and it's uh, not easy to um, live with on either side yeah with it or being the person who's around that person because of all the yeah it's just fucking hard mm. very very hard and it is a very bleak thing where it feels like everything there's a bleakness it is like in a cartoon you know if you've got a color picture and the thing in the middle is black 
and then the blackness just spreads out around like infecting everything around it mm. and that's it the planet is that's that planet is just coming and it's just consuming the world it's consuming the world that's why for her it's not that she's happy about it it's just like well this is happening and i think that's why she kind of has those those abilities that you say because for her this is just this is an inevitability the, the, this is the end of my world i'm in sync with everything because everything is nothing i know that everyone's evil nothing matters it's all going to end and that's why i think she knows how many beans are in the candy jar and all that stuff it's not about she's got these special abilities it's like she's just in sync with it all now in the same way as charlotte gainsbourg's character sort of gets in sync with nature in in antichrist because she because of the mental condition she's got she's suffering through Mm. connects her with the outside world and i guess in nature again it's connecting to nature in some way although nature in this respect is space yeah the world is a terrible place the world is a terrible place and worth fighting for mm. the world is a good place and worth fighting for i agree with the second part <laughs> that's morgan freeman in seven <laughs> and it's a great line it is a great line to be fair it's the closing lines of seven <laughs> very what, true what i loved about um when they're coming to terms at the end with it's ending and claire is like can we just please go sit on the on the terrace and just have like a glass of wine (laughs) and it's this idea of like control and being in control of your destiny in in some ways because it's going to happen regardless but she wants it to be the best it can be and she was like we can have (laughs) he said i think your idea is a piece of shit why don't yeah. we meet on the fucking toilet toilet i know that was a good line <laughs> but you know what that is the first time i was like that is lars von trier man yeah yeah <laughs> you can imagine lars von trier writing that <laughs> it's like no matter oh. where we are we're in this we're still in this fucking planet it's still a horrible place you can fucking drink wine it's still the fucking same situation yeah you're not getting but, out of it but again like you know i i i dig it i i get what claire's trying because it's yes like, well of course terrible things happening let's do this of course i don't know i i think that's why the second half fascinates me the most because it because it's like the depression bit is is interesting and fascinating but having not suffered from it myself i couldn't tell you how true to life it was but what i did find true to life in that second hour was different people's response to something Mm -hmm. terrible i guess you're right when you're when you're saying like it's, it's similar to the covid response but like in the film it's almost it's more immediate than that it's like well this is happening yeah and it's big and it's happening to everyone progression with uh, covid yes people don't want to come out of their houses and then they 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 get in this cycle of like of fear basically like i don't leave my house i'm scared i'm gonna get it Mm. it's the same thing um i felt very sorry for the little boy as well but he was he handled it very well he was too young to know what the fuck was going on he was the one i felt least sorry for i feel sorry for the adults in that situation because they know what they're losing. Yeah. The kid don't know what they're fucking yeah. losing. But what I did like, I liked the little tent, the pathetic shitty tent at the end because it felt like that was resembling religion or something, you know, when they're just under the sticks because he oh, wanted Oh, do you think that. so? Yeah, it feels like that was like, you can't shield yourself. Like, here's this pathetic little frame tent that yeah. the boy has built for them to sit under and be together. And it felt to me that that was like all the pathetic attempts at trying to protect ourselves and rationalize ourselves from Mm. the inevitabilities in life through religion and how shitty that is how pathetic it is in the face of what is the world is actually all about yeah makes sense it felt like like a temple type thing i don't know yeah that's kind of the vibe i got but he'd always known about these these caves they were going to build so she'd obviously 
she obviously knew how everything was going to end, but not exactly how it was going to end. Because mm. she only realised as the planet was brought up. That's when her whole mood changed. Yeah. But she knew that she was going to build these caves, and she'd always told him. I don't know why she was called Aunt Steelbreaker. <laughs> no, I have no idea. I think it was just a, a nickname. I don't know why. I, uh, I, I, no, I can't even remember that, to be honest. Yeah, he kept calling her it for the whole film. Aunt Steelbreaker. Oh, no, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's maybe true. it's something to do with how, how that's strong how she are, is. Though, aren't they? How strong she is or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. She's very strong. Maybe it's, I, maybe it's something her her mum his his mum told her when he was young how she's she struggles with stuff but she's strong and she'll get through she's strong enough to break through steel or something maybe aren't steel breaker either way what what I liked again was Lars von Trier showing that he's actually in the face of all these allegations of misogyny he's one of the better fucking directors out there for women because he's made this film which is really nothing much to do with gender other mm. than she was a bride. Mm-hmm. nothing really to do with gender it's just characters that happen to be women yeah Very and he so. doesn't give a fuck about it he's like I don't care it feels like he's like I don't care man or woman I mean, he's just like an antichrist he's kind of writing himself into these, all of these characters whether they're man or women it's very That's refreshing true. to see yeah and this was a big question we had in our antichrist episode about whether he was misogynistic or not oh, and yeah. I think this kind of says mm, I don't think he is no I do not think he is I do not think he is I think we came out like we said that there's different yeah different takes readings. on it he's a very raw yeah. person I'll tell you that that's what he is mm. he is raw and like you know to go to go to talk about Lars for a little bit like that clip that was played at the beginning that's not you know he, because he's so awkward so awkward made part of that from like this crippling shyness his depression everything when he's in a situation like that, he tries to like humour him his way out of it by saying something shocking, and he, I think he just got caught. Yeah, in a fucking rabbit hole. He didn't have to get out of it. When you watch the video accompanying that, you can see him, like as he's saying the words, like I don't want to be saying this. Stop, stop, <laughs> stop having me. me up here asking me these questions. Yeah, <laughs> and I think you know, the fact that he is like this person, he is like his films. Like his films on the surface feel very in your face and confrontational, mm-hmm. but then there's all this depth and stuff to to pick pick about. There's plenty to pick about in this. I did think I I do think it's an e- a much easier read than Antichrist, yeah, and, definitely, and and some other stuff because because it, it is what it is. It says what it does on the tin, but then it's deep in as much as you can think and go down these rabbit holes there wasn't much that happened in it that makes you go oh why did that happen why did that happen it like kind of was what it what it was but what it was was pretty deep yeah yeah and i did like it but i didn't love it and uh yeah there was there were good moments in the film and talking about you now we'll talk about the good moments but there was a couple of moments i was just like this is just going on for too long this is that and the other it did mainly feel that party stuff i see I've, i've already said that but i enjoyed it I enjoyed it more than I disliked it, so that's why I got the seven. That's good. <laughs> enjoyed it more than he disliked it, and I love the I love the the score in this. I thought it was beautiful. I know it was just a, it was just a classical piece that kept being the same classical piece that kept playing, but I, mm. I loved it. It worked really well. He calls it a very romantic score for a romantic movie. Yeah, especially I, the best use of it was when she's basking in the, in the light of the planet. 
Oh yeah. And this it just this big like orchestra is playing. It's like wow, this is this is something. It's great. Those shots were good. They were very good. He likes those shots because he has them. In, he had them in House That Jack Bill and and Antichrist as well, where it's almost like a postcard slowed down, mm. a slightly moving painting postcard type image. He's very good at that. Mm. Mm. And then the rest of his filming is always kind of like handheld, staticky. Yeah, I pre I appreciate him. I like I I I've never been really bored with any of his stuff. Like even this film, I wasn't bored by the film it wasn't a boring film but it was too slow and repetitive in, in, in points which made me go come on get to the point we know this now yeah that's fair I can but see he, he is an indulgent fucking director like House at Jack Bill remember how we felt watching yeah. that that was like oh how long have we got left well, I feel like I want to go back to it that's what this felt like in places <laughs> I re-listened recently to yeah. our House at Jack Bill episode and the way we were talking about it it was like God, I would love to watch that again. It's so much was going on. Yeah. Hitler turns up at the end of that. Don't forget. I do want to watch it again. <laughs> Hitler know. takes a lot. It takes. Was Jack it like two Fu hours forty? Wasn't it? I think it didn't think help. It we were that. in a group of people, so no, yeah. I think it changes more. your opinion. Mm, I don't know. I feel no. like that, I think is, that film definitely benefited from us being together. I think we needed to be more immersed in yeah. it than we were. I think his film needs a lot of focus. Yes. And I don't think we had his full attention. No, it's true. And the exciting thing is Lars is still lying in our future. We got more Lars in our future because mm. the contrarians want us to oh, come yes. on over their way at some point That'll to do Dancer in the Dark. Exciting times. I won't watch it till then. I know. I feel like we've watched quite a few Lars now. I mean, he hasn't done loads, but... I like the fact that we've done a trilogy of his films. We should do a small, We should we should complete a trilogy of another director. We should do a uh, a Friedkin. Yes, we should do another Friedkin. Scorsese. I just want yeah. to see where I place this in terms of other Lars films. On because uh, you, Paul, you say this is your favourite of his. I'm mm-hmm. not entirely sure where this place is. I feel like it would be low, but not in a disrespectful way. <clears throat> so disrespectful. I think it's probably my favourite out of the ones I've watched. Anyway, it's the one I rate the highest. Yeah. I don't think it's your kind of director, though, Adam. Anyway, no, he's not. I gave this *Nymphomaniac* Volume One and *Dogville* the same rating. See, *Dogville* dragged on a bit. Yeah, I do think I'm looking back on that, thinking I gave that very high school. *Dogville* was very, very long. I just appreciated the uh, experience. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was not experience, but and I just hated the end, and it was just like, oh, here we go, here's Lars people sodomising the woman again <laughs> I know but then you say again when else has that happened now when you think about his other films that we've talked if we're talking about Antichrist and Nymphomaniac and, and Melancholia the women have the power in those films yeah yeah oh yeah because she does come back after being brutal, <coughs> brutalated brutalated <laughs> who who's who in Nymphomaniac in uh, Dogville in after Dogville. being yeah, she after does, being yeah. manhandled her and her father they gunned the town down yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and like definitely. you know, it, I'm looking at his his um, films here. For the most part, it's it is female leads. Mm-hmm. Fair play to him, man. Fair play. Nice. Well, anyway, you got anything more to say about this? I think well, that's I the end of this no. review. I do think the most fascinating stuff, and I would almost like to rewatch this film just to watch that second hour, is the three the three outlooks on life. I mm. find it interesting. It's interesting to me that you two view Kiefer in 
quite a significantly different way than I do. I think, but that all depends on how. If if I believed that he felt that way all along, that he the planet was going to get destroyed, I would not be in his mindset. I believe, on reflection, I believe that he knows, not maybe not then, that the planet is definitely going to destroy this planet, but he knows that it it, it likely is. And instead, he focuses and channels his energy into being excited about it. Like, I think he is excited about this obliteration. He's excited about the danger Mm. by it. But his obsession with it detracts from his ability to be a human being, a loving father, a loving husband. If you're you're saying he potentially thinks that it might happen, but it's not 100%, then again, I would not be on his same wavelength because you should be in cautious mode and get yourself ready for what's coming rather than let's just be excited about it yeah, to be I fair the way that his the character day, is world's framed end, mate. the world's gonna end like she said you might as well just sit there drinking a glass of wine but you might as well not be a dick about it that is yes. true <laughs> very yes, interesting yes that was very good review thank good. you good stuff thank you. good film Lovely. good film sh- to pick sh- should we move on to some reviews from people Oh, yes, please. Let's do some reviews. Adam, do you want to do the first one? Yes, let's see what we got here. The first review we have here is from LEK underscore Eats, and they say, I adore this film, one of my very favourite of all time. Wow, that is a statement. All time. Someone's in my camp, but I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite of all time. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Would you put this in your top 100 or something? I haven't got a top 100. How have you not got a top 100? I mean, I ha- I've got the top 100, but I haven't looked how many films I rate a 10 and a 9. So it oh, could yeah. go out of my top 100. I don't yeah. know. Um, i got a question for you. If you, from what I can tell, mm. when you look into what people say about this film, is that everyone seems to agree whether they like it or don't like it, that he has portrayed depression really well. Mm-hmm. So do you think that if you suffer from depression that it it automatically not that you like this film but that you automatically going to elevate it and give it a higher score because you've kind of, you feel seen you feel your experience has been captured well i know that there isn't just one size fits all mm. capture but you know if it was you know i i if it was someone who had been through cancer through lung cancer stage 4 lung cancer right and then made the film of that experience if you had been through that as well yourself you're going to gravitate a little more and, and connect with it a little more than other people might i'd say i'd say it definitely gives you a benefit but at the same time not everyone goes through the same experiences so just a little thing that lars has done that maybe the fact that all the people are dickheads around him yeah per turn someone off of the film they'd be like i've always had amazing people in my life but i've always suffered this they could see it as a negative on the film it's probably a bit like watching that bo burnham special it's a bit like you could elevate it again because of stuff he's talking about if you've been through the same experiences as him. Mm. I think we all have. Mm. Lockdown. <laughs> and beyond. And beyond. Santoka says, a fantastic film. Love Von Trier's Depression Trilogy. I think I need to have a rewatch before the show, but excellent choice. Hope you enjoy it if you haven't already seen it. And he puts enjoy in inverted commas, and we can all understand why. In his Depression Trilogy, I would go Antichrist Best... Nymphomaniac second, and then this third, but not mm. to say that this is bad. But you, if you had to rewatch, you probably rewatch this one. I think maybe. 
I, no. would, I would say that Ben would watch Antichrist. Antichrist, yeah. <laughs> I, like I would say cool. Melancholia, Antichrist, and then um, Nymphomaniac. Nymphomaniac. Mm. Is that what you would say, Adam? Yeah. No, yeah. I'll probably put Melancholia, Antichrist, Nymphomaniac. That's what I said. I didn't enjoy Antichrist at all, really, thinking about it. Antichrist is... <laughs> Let's go to the letterbox reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy Antichrist, so don't put me Antichrist in Antichrist is real good, man. <laughs> I think it's good too. I know. The way you feel about Antichrist is the way I feel about melancholia, it yes. feels. Yes, I think that's the, the way Because, it in fact, I give Antichrist the nine, and you give it the yeah, seven. Yeah, exactly the same. And I give this the seven, and you give it the nine. Yeah. And how, what is your rating of the Nymphomaniacs? Seven. Oh, mine too. So there yeah. we go. Odds odds all even for the Depression Trilogy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Adam's is all very low. <laughs> yeah. Ad, Ad I've got four, a seven, four, a five. seven, a five, a six. Seven. Seven. So, right. on to the... Yes. Let's move on to our other segment, which is our letterbox reviews. This is three reviews I've picked from Letterbox, and they're all of diverse rating. So we have a little colour and a little something to what people's opinions are so first of all we have Yijan and they've given the film a 5 out of 10 and they say I know it's Lars von Trier's intention to make his film look like a series of paintings and though they may look pretty kinder but at the same time they also felt forced surreal to the point of being repulsive simply too artificial to engross me and whose idea it is to use handheld cameras in almost every scene how annoying are we supposed to feel like we're bystanders peeking into someone else's life, eavesdropping on their conversations? Lars von Trier is such a stranger to me. I don't get him. I don't get this film at all. I'm tired. That's a good... That's a high rating for that review. Well... If you had told me, like, if you put that review and go, what does this person give it? I'll go, like, a three. Or... Yeah. Mm. Well, five out of ten is a bad film for me, so I'd say... It is a bad film. Yeah, yeah. but that's he's kind of, like hating on the film not just thinks the film's bad like he's getting into the technical aspects of why he thinks the film's bad not just because the story's bad well he's kind of going against Lars so considering this is probably his more easygoing films maybe he's rated the other films a lot lower so this is just his that's true one that he's going against Lars for because it's I made don't, the last what, one he watched what I don't get in this review is surreal to the point of being repulsive A it's really not that surreal mm, yeah I wouldn't say it's surreal and how does it make it repulsive what exactly is repulsive about it I, th- I, I think that it all depends on your own um, tastes well like, my god su- you better not watch Antichrist if you're repulsed by this yes yeah, surrealism <laughs> surrealism not everyone's bad all so. maniac would you, would you call this surreal? The concept, I guess, of a planet colliding with Earth is no, that's not even surreal. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say this film's surreal at all, really. Yeah, I'd say if you if you don't like surreal films, then Antichrist is certainly not for you. And I, could, no. I could I could take that as repulsive, especially the stuff you see in that film. Chaos reigns. Yes. Evan Lebowski gives this film an 8 out of 10 and they say finally a Von Trier film that didn't totally disgust me there's no event for the sake of trying to shock the viewers yay to no dick mutilation Lars you should make more legitimate films like this I don't know what I mean there's no event for the sake of trying to shock the viewers oh right I see there's no scene included just for the sake of shocking people okay I see Um, yeah maybe and what do you what do you say to 
you should make more legitimate films like this. I no, kind I think of agree with him. It was my favourite of the last films, but that's, that's just me. What he's makes this more legitimate than the others is my question back. If you, want, if you want a legitimate film, you don't go seeking out him. I would say you. the word legitimate is a bit unfair. For, yes, for it God. is. Yeah. It's basically saying that because he puts that brutality in the re- the other films, there's no need for it, and you've written it off because of those scenes. Mm. When technically they included for artistic reasons. Yeah, but it's very, it's everyone's own taste, isn't everyone's, it? Everyone's taste. Yeah. And finally, we have a review here from Mark Rickoff. Um, they gave the film a 9 out of 10, and they're quite possibly the best... F- oh, fucking hell, a fly just flew in my face. <laughs> oh, mate, what are the chances? A yeah, fly right. A fly yeah, bite. A fly bite. A fly bite fruiting. Watch out, it's going to come back. It's going to come back round. It's going to get round ra- in the back It's going to rotate round um, Adam's head. Anyway, sorry. They say... <laughs> They say quite possibly the best film about depression ever. The combination of Trier is most restrained and dunced. Oh yeah, fuck me. <laughs> I knew you were going to struggle with dunced. <laughs> the combination of Trier at his most restrained and dunced at her most unhinged is something I never knew I needed in my life. Here, here. Here, here, here. Well done. I like that one. It was a very um, out of character role for Dunst to choose because I've never seen her in. Anything I was very surprised about it all. Other mm. stuff. I just yeah. remember from Spider Man yeah. films like that. That's what I associate her with. I think before this, the most out there thing I'd ever seen her in was season two of Fargo. Oh yeah, true. And and what I like about that is she's one of those people who you say, "Oh, she looks like a happy person," and to say that she suffers with depression, and then you yeah, see her in a film like that. this, it's like, wow, yeah. Uh, I never say they look like a happy person. I always say they look like a very annoying person. <laughs> what? Because People who look happy on the outside annoy me. Well, it's like you, stop. I want you to be grumpy. Well, it's not even that. People who walk around like well, that's no, me, mate. That's, that's not fair to say. No, that's me. mate, you do not look like a happy person. When I saw you the, for the first time, I was like, "What a fucking poser." <laughs> You and Mark McClyman, I was like, oh, God, these fucking poses at the BBC. <laughs> well, you pose as loving life. Then I got to know you, and then I realised, okay, you are happy. <laughs> He's happy. Yeah, seem it. You're, you're exactly how I like my happy people. Don't show it. Good. Thanks. Be happy. Uh, but I also, I'm also happy on the outside, but hate everyone on the inside. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> anyway... Right, that was very wonderful reviews. Thanks, everyone, for those. Shall we move on to placing this film? Oh, joyful, joyful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we took a step away from the podcast so we could get some air from you individuals and also to collect our thoughts on where we wanted to place this film in our grand rankings. We averaged it out at 7.7. And with a whole stack of films at 7.7, we worked out that it actually belongs at the bottom of that stack. So, from top to bottom, 7.7, we have Bug, Birds of Prey, Toy Story 4, Mission Impossible, Fallout, and Sorcerer. And there below Sorcerer sits Melancholia, directly above Burn Off the Reading. Ooh. How you feel about that one, Paul? Do you um, agree? You give Burn Off the Reading a 10. I, I think it's fine because you like this better than Burn Off the Reading, so... But what about you? Well, I have no choice in this matter. You think Burn After Reading is better? Of course I do. It's a 10 out of 10. It's in my top films ever. What if Lars von Trier, if you were in a room with Lars von Trier and for like half an hour you'd been telling him how much you liked this film and then and then he said, oh great, oh, I'm going to go to a screening of Burn After Reading in a minute. Uh, I hate that fucking film. What do you think about it? 
I'd be like, you Nazi fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there it sits. So it's a middle of the, it's a middle of the deck film. It's a middle of the deck recommendation. We're in the 40s. It's positioned down in the 40s. No shame in that. That's loads fair. of good films in the 40s that's fair these are the, nope. these are the films that people love but the others don't like as much that's what it seems like in this yeah, area it, well no it can't, i think the 40s is kind of yeah no maybe you're right i think i'm looking at the things that are in the 50s and 60s and that's where there's real splits fantastic well that was a wonderful time i had there well that was good i'm glad you recommended it and uh and I look forward to your next round. You've put up very interesting films. I always do. And Adam will be the next one to pick. But we're not going to find out yet because first we have to quickly cut over to our patrons to find out what they want to recommend we watch this week. Yes. Oh, yeah. Every episode they get to send us their choices that they want us to watch and the listening public to watch. And today we only have one from Jamie Russell. And he says, I would recommend a gem of a Russian film called Why Don't You Just Die? sod exposition a young man shows up at a flat with a hammer this is how this film rolls a darkly comic stylized bloodbath that paul will love oh yes what's the film called it's called why don't you just die this has been on my watch list for a while because i saw the poster i was like oh yes i recognize that poster yes so i've been uh, meaning to watch for a while i don't know how it ended up on my watch list but it has and i'm definitely gonna watch it i mean the poster looks horrendous I mean, the poster looks like it's like, oh, you're going to have some fun watching this film, and then it's the kind of film you watch and you either go, oh, I really did, or, oh, that was so fucking annoying. Do you know what? It, it, the poster almost reminds me of the film we watched, which is, I can't remember what it's called now, the one where they... The oh, yeah, fetus. Ghost Killer versus yes. Bloody Mary. <laughs> that that looks like the poster for um, the, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, it does that as well. I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to watch it. Well, Dan gives it 9 out of 10. Ooh. Yeah, he gives a lot of shit, 9 out of 10. <laughs> so do you, mate. So does Paul. Actually, that's not true. You are very uh, stingy with your, your I ratings. I am very stingy Adam. rating them. That's good. I like stingy. That's good. Right, thank you, Jamie, for that wonderful suggestion from you there. If you if you guys want to become a patron, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters and you can get exclusive stuff and you can listen to what we've got to say after this episode, which is, what is it? About silent movies and what we like and what we don't like. Oh, pretty yes. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. And if you want to find out what we like and what we don't like, you go over there and you listen and cough up a buck or two. And let me be clear. Let me be absolutely crystal clear. You don't have it's to... It's worth your money. Sp- you, you don't get have to a spend a lot of money. You, you get don't have to spend a lot of money. You can spend the, the, the amount that you spend on a couple of Twixes. Right, and that just leads us on nicely to the final thing, which is Adam... Do you want to tell us what we're going to do next? Yes. Adam, please long it out. I I I look forward to these end of the episode bits so much because there's an excitement about what we're going to watch next. So long it out. And you've also got to do a good choice as well because we all got to be very impressed. Of course you have. Beat Man Um, Folia. So there's two. So I've just, I can see the the film I'm going to pick. I can see the spine of it on my bookcase. And next to it, there's a film. And I've also just looked at the film. And I thought, you know what? I could pick that film instead because that would be a lot of fun as well. And I'm still kind of undecided which one I want to pick. All right, let us let us do process of elimination. So if the second film is fun, what is the first film? First we'll have more of a discussion. Ooh, yes. The first film, but the second is more of a serious film. The first film's more serious. Yeah. 
I feel we should do that. However, if if the second one is Lego Batman style fun, then drop that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> and is you, it? You've you've all you've both seen both films. What what's the genre of the first film? It's a drama. What's the genre of the second? Action comedy. Yes, then I believe we should be doing the first one, my son. But this <laughs> <laughs> way, the second film will be picked next time round. Then, oh lord. Okay, go on. Then. Well, hang on. It's up to you, Paul. Tease. Do the first one. Go on. Tease the yeah, first one. Yeah, do the first one. Okay. I don't know. I might go for the second one now. Adam's never picked a drama. You see. It's all down to you, Adam. You can pick whatever you want. There's no pressure. Okay, it's it all is downwards. all down to you, my son. The beauty, variety is the spice of life. If you want to pick that action comedy, you go pick that action I'm comedy. I'm picking the action comedy because I feel like we need some fun on here. We picked oh, a Lord. very serious film recently. Oh, God. We watched, I mean, we, we have had a lot of serious films recently, but yeah, we're going to okay. sigh. You know we're going to sigh. I feel Tease like, it out. Tease it out. Come on. One of you's going to cheer and one of you's going to weep. And then it's going to be funny which way around it goes. This Paul is, is going to cheer. This film, I, I find it dear to my heart and I watch it quite a bit. And the film Oh, is you better not be saying what I think you're going to say. The nice guys. Oh, I oh. knew you were going to say that. Oh, my God, Adam. Because <laughs> I want oh, Ben to rewatch it. And I feel like, Ben, if you rewatch it, you might enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you what. It's a good call because, as I've said in the past, I don't hate the film. I just don't get why you cream yourselves over it. And everyone else creams fun. themselves over it. Like, it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's fun. I mean, bread's I hope you pretty go in good. with a nice mind. <laughs> Jenny enjoyed it. Jenny enjoyed it, and Jenny wants to watch it again. So your your timing is very well, apt, I, mate. It works yeah. well. We'll tell Jenny to give you a beer, and you watch it with your beer, and enjoy and laugh on a Saturday evening. Don't have a hangover. <laughs> I require you boys to do more than go. It was it was just really fun. I just loved it. In the next episode, I require you to tell me why the fuck you had so much fun with it. I always <laughs> I always tell you why. The At fuck. what point did you know it was going to be that film? Ben, did you know it was the film as well? I kind of you said it. one of you's one of you's going to enjoy it, one of you's going to weep. I thought, well, action comedies, Paul will like them more than I will, and then I thought that's what it is. I kind of felt like it was in our future. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I've kind of I've, I've thought about this film before, and I was kind of thinking, yeah, it would be yeah. good fun because I know there's a split between us, which I quite like. Mm. Yeah, I was well, never going to pick it myself. Fair play to you, mate. There we go. Well, that's exciting. I would like to know what that drama is now, though, out of interest. Or are you going to pick it in the future? Oh, it will be in the future. It's been there for a while okay. now, so right. I'll pick right. it. Fair okay. Wonderful. I'm very intrigued what that was, though. Right, I, I'm i very excited to talk about that. I will reserve how much I like the film. But, Excellent. Uh, yes, I'm excited. And thanks for talking to me about Megan Collier. I really enjoyed it. Yes, I really enjoyed it. Thank you for making a good selection and picking Peculiar Film. Uh, always and like thank Adam peculiar. for picking this film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I thank Adam for picking an action comedy to shake things up. But since Adam, yes, what Adam's really done is dug his own grave because if he had picked a drama this week, then I would have felt compelled in my selection next week to go a little lighter. But since he's gone silly, I'm going to go heavy. We're doing it. In Why Land don't Empire. you just go silly as well? You're going back to back silliness, people. Oh. Are we doing Inland Empire? Oh, fuck me, man. I'd need to wait at least 10 years before I watch that again. <laughs> that is a lot to... Boy, I'm... Oh, yeah. You wouldn't show that to Maxi at a young age. He's already experienced it. Traumatised. Well, well done, boys, anyway. Thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. We will see you 
Later. on the flip side. Oh, we'll see you on the Patreon. See you on the Patreon. Bye. Bye-bye. Love Bye. you. Thanks and everything else. It's Buster's.